Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. Good Friday is one of those days that the church is more empty. It's one of those days that's not all that celebratory and it's the feel, it's not all the excitement. And yet it's necessary. It's so necessary. There's so many errors that we can fall into, though, when we think about Good Friday. We come and uh, we can think about things like uh, we just decide to live on this side of the crucifixion so we never think about it again. We just soak up the, the reality that we're in new life and it's unnecessary to remember. We skip over those sections of Scripture. Or we could reenact it as a funeral to Jesus. Let's remember and kill him again so that he can raise again on Sunday. We can uh, see a, a somehow a separation in the Trinity and see that somehow God the Father and God the Son all of a sudden on Good Friday became enemies and God the Father beat up God the Son so that you can be saved. All of these are erroneous ways to look at Good Friday. They're born out of a kernel of truth, and yet they are completely untrue and even further unhelpful. What we do on Good Friday is we come again to the story within which Jesus rescues us from sin and death. And at some level, there's like a, a repetition, right? We know this story already, and yet we don't remember it enough. But there was a cost for us to become one with the Father, to come into relationship with our Father. You see, we remember and we read the events that led up to the crucifixion of our Savior, Jesus, but we don't do so to crucify him again. The point of this evening's gathering is to remember again, one more time, the cost that Jesus paid for us to be in relationship with our Father. But there was a cost. Without returning to the reality that Jesus stood in our place and paid for our sin, we lose sight of the fact that we needed to be rescued. That we need to be rescued. It becomes real easy to become self-sufficient. When we live every day as Resurrection Sunday without remembering that there was Good Friday. And the goal is not to heap guilt and shame on us. No, those things have been dealt with by the work of the cross. Jesus dealt with your guilt and dealt with shame. This, the point of this evening is not for guilt or for shame. The goal of this evening is to bring us once again to deep gratitude, to look on the work of Jesus on the cross with clear eyes, to understand again that this was always the plan of God to rescue us, and that it was the ultimate demonstration of just how much the triune God, Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit love you. There's a passage of Scripture from the book of Isaiah that I want to read to you. And if you'll recall the places we've been as we've done this exchange series, we've spent a bunch of time in Isaiah. And Isaiah was this prophet 700 years before Jesus shows up. And the prophet Isaiah says that the nation of Israel is going to come under judgment. And then about halfway through, a little over halfway through, the tone shifts. And that the nation of Israel is going to be rescued. That God's people are going to be rescued. They're going to be set free. And as we said all those weeks, there comes in this this suffering servant. This one who will bear on himself the penalty of all of the ways that God's people fall short. This suffering servant. And we said in the series that, that this, was, this, this prophecy was of Jesus. That Jesus is the suffering servant. But I want to read Isaiah chapter 53. And you can follow along. It talks about the suffering servant. 700 years before Jesus. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. There's so much clarity about what Jesus did here. But keep in mind, it was 700 years before Jesus shows up. 
And as Isaiah prophesies, it becomes clear that Jesus is going to take on the sinfulness of all humanity. But I want to show you two things tonight. The first thing is, this was the plan of God all along. It wasn't like Jesus stumbled in and got himself killed. This was the plan of God all along. If you can think about Isaiah prophesying 700 years before Jesus shows up, and he already knows the plan of God for the rescue of humanity. This has always been God's plan to save us, always been God's plan to rescue us. It was always the Lord's plan to shoulder the sinfulness of all humanity and die in our place. Think about the scope of that for a second. 700 years before, God already had that plan in mind. The second thing I want you to see is in verse 12 where it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That word intercession means to intervene on behalf of another. It means to stand in the gap on behalf of someone who can't or won't. And what it says is that Jesus was our intercessor. He made intercession on our behalf. And what Isaiah is saying is that God saw you and he saw me completely powerless to stop our lives from spiraling out of control into sinfulness. And so he, in Jesus, stood in the gap on our behalf. He called a stop to it on our behalf. Far from Jesus stepping in the way of some abusive deity, the picture Isaiah gives us is of a God who is so passionately in love with us as the object of his affections that he will stop at nothing to rescue us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Some of us live life as if for God so hated the world that he killed his only son. That's not the picture Isaiah shows us of who God is. The way I want you to picture this is that God saw us running our own way. He saw us running away into our sinfulness and into the mess. He saw us running away. And as he stood there and watched us run away and not wanting any relationship with him, not wanting the relationship we were designed for, he said, I will intervene, I will intercede, I will stand in the gap. And so he came as a man and he grabbed onto us who were running away and he kept a hold of heaven and he said, this is the way I will stand in the gap and I will let sin have its worst on me. So that you can be right with your Father. That's the picture of the cross. It's a picture of of Jesus standing in the gap for you and for me that we might have relationship with our Father. That's the picture of Good Friday. And in the cross, Jesus condemned sin. Romans 8 says this. For what the law was powerless to do because it weakened, uh, was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be met, fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And so what we do here tonight is we have gathered to once again gain awareness of the cost that Jesus paid on our behalf. We celebrate resurrection on Sunday, but today we remember that it costs something. And my hope for you tonight is that it draws you to a deep, deep gratitude. One of the most important things for a follower of Jesus is to live a life of gratitude because we live from this place of knowing that we deserve none of it. None of this is deserving. It's all grace. It's all gift. And it all came at a cost. So what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is I want us to just posture ourselves before the Lord. And I'm going to give a few prompts. And I want you to offer the, the things that come to mind before the Lord. You don't have to stand. You can sit. Whatever's comfortable. But I want you to offer what comes to mind to the Lord. And my hope is that you can offer gratitude to the Lord. Father, we were lost. We were going our own way. And you rescued us. You died for us. And so we offer to you right now the ways that we've been aware that we've wandered away, that we wander away from you. We offer them to you. Lord Jesus, we receive your forgiveness. And we thank you for it. Father, we're aware that our city doesn't look like your kingdom. And where we see sparks of, of, of new life and of your kingdom coming. Lord, we also lament at the ways that, that overdose and, and drug addiction and bullying have had their way in our city. Lord, we offer these things to you. We say, Lord, have your way. Father, for the ways in our, our nation that things don't look like they should, the ways that our, our nation wanders away from relationship to you, and you call us to this space, God, to be your witnesses. And we find such struggle to be your witnesses in places that don't desire you. And so, Lord, we offer to you our frustrations. We offer to you our disappointments and our anxieties.
Lord, would you heal them? And Father, as we look at our world, we see so many places where the poor and the lonely and the destitute are uncared for. And Lord, with the, the, the media and the way that we're able to see so much pain, God, it feels overtaking. And so, Lord, we offer these people to you. Would you care for those that we can't care for? Would you reach those that we have no access to? Lord, we offer to you the burdens of our hearts in this time. We offer to you our marriages. We offer to you our children. We offer to you our workplaces. We offer to you our neighborhoods. We offer to you our neighbors. We offer to you our government. We offer to you our church. for all the ways that this world is out of sorts, we offer it all to you, trusting you that the cross has made a way forward. Lord Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for the cost that you paid that we might be in right relationship with you. Have your way in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed. And we'll see you next time.